I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Living the invisible is what we're calling this. I'd like for you to read with me in concert 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, and a couple of the following verses. And I want to explain again, and I want your feedback. Um our dual nature or what we mean when we talk about there being two of us in one body. The reason that this is important is because as I hear people talk and listen to them express themselves, I don't know how you listen, but I hear the average Christian talking more about the temporary person than the eternal person. For some reason, we seem to feel that the the life that we live on this earth um, allows us as Christians to focus more on that than rather where our faith is. Our faith is not in the external, but in the internal. Paul talks about it in two places, 2 Corinthians 4 and Romans 7. Can we read together here, beginning at the word, therefore? Come on. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, disappointed, or afraid. Though our outer self is progressively wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. For our momentary light distress, this passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight of glory a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness. Read on. So we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, for the things which are visible are temporal, just brief and fleeting, but the things which are invisible are everlasting, and imperishable. Now, we'll stop there. Let's go back to the top. (coughs) Therefore, we do not become discouraged. Now, how many discouraged folk here tonight? Man, discouragement is all over the church. Do you even talk to any Christians now that don't talk about being discouraged? I mean, it's all over the church. I'm not talking about Carver Church. I mean the body of Christ. And we might as well say Carver too because we're part of the body. I'm discouraged where I'm serving in the church. I'm discouraged about the folk in my church. I'm discouraged about the preacher in my church. I'm discouraged about the deacons in my church. I'm discouraged about the programs in our church. I'm discouraged, I'm discouraged, I'm discouraged. When the Bible plainly says that that's not of God. And yet people almost brag. They write songs about being discouraged and get up in church and sing them. When the Bible plainly says, therefore, we do not become discouraged. You say, well, pastor, what do I do about my discouragement? Look at my necktie, please. Get over it. I had a fella I didn't like one time. Every time that fella came around, you ever had anybody like that? It just make me feel bad. I didn't like him. I was a preacher too. I'm, I'm just be transparent about it. I didn't. He was a preacher too. I didn't like him. I didn't like working with him. I didn't like being in meetings with him. I didn't like him. You know what I figured out one day? I figured out that I didn't like him. You know what I decided to do? I got over it. You know why? Because I decided to get over it. Discouragement is a choice, just like walking through the door, just like eating a hamburger or a fish sandwich. And it ain't no bigger than that. We magnify the negative in life, and therefore, we often have our expectations too high. I was talking to a pastor this afternoon, a bishop 
and they were telling me about one of the new churches, and I'd encourage this other pastor maybe to go ahead and start, but they started too fast, and they started, you know, just running, 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 running. And now after six months, or well, not that long, three months, now the people aren't coming, the few people they had. The last Sunday's offering was $72, all of that. Now, they're mad with the folk. The truth is, we put our expectations awfully high. When we get married, when we start a new job, when we go back to school, and when you put your expectations too high, you burn out. I ain't anybody here that's done that. God knows I have. I've burned out so many times in my life, but every time when I look back, it wasn't what happened that burned me out. It was what I thought should have happened. I don't have a witness. Therefore, we do not become discouraged. And then the Amplified Bible breaks down the word discouraged for us. Spiritless. Anybody knows what spiritless is? That's when you had a high spirit and a good spirit. But now, yeah, I ain't got no spunk. I got to drag myself to work every morning. Oh, you first got that job. You were so excited. You called everybody. I got a job, praise God. And you got out there, and that job was full of mess, people issues, backstabbing. And to use an old-fashioned word, everybody on that job quoting each other. You didn't know that. But you can tell the way that they're snipping at each other, something's going on. <coughs> it can make you spiritless. We don't become disappointed, everybody. I don't become disappointed. Can you say that? I don't become disappointed. You say, but I'd be lying if I said that. No, we're saying what the Bible says. The Bible says, therefore, we do not become disappointed or afraid. Though our outer self is progressively wasting away. Now, there's not a person in this room that would not agree with that. Every year, you can tell you're wasting away. I had a birthday last week. I like them. The only thing I don't like about birthdays, they bring a new number every time they come around. And um, anybody got to that point in your life yet where you, you start to get up and you feel a pain in a place you didn't even know you had? You know what I'm saying? My father and mother, when they get up, they grunt. When they sit down, they grunt. And we, it's not a person in here with a gray hair, or in the case of Mr. Taylor, no hair. I bet he remembers when he had a head full of hair. I remember when every hair on my head was black. I go back and look at my pictures now. I got pictures in my office now. Somebody wanted to know why I've got those pictures in there. I got a good reason for wanting those pictures in there. Because it reminds me, come on now, everybody in here will admit your outer man, your outer person is decaying, he says, every day. But look at what is also happening that you maybe did not know. Next clause. Your inner man or inner self, at the same rate that your body is aging, your inner person is being renewed day by day. In other words, now I can't explain this, I'm just teaching it. Your outer man is getting older while at the same identical rate, your younger man is, your inner man is getting younger. But do we ever put any emphasis on that? Because we think our inner man and our outer man mimic one another. Now, here's an example. This container represents my flesh, my outer man, where on the inside is another container, which represents my inner man. 
Now, when I was born again, you and I, when we were born again, it's what, what happened was on the inside. It's called regeneration. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The, the inner man was given life. When you were born, the inner guy was dead. So the flesh was alive. When you accepted Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost entered the inner guy and gave him or her life. So that's what we mean by the inner man and the outer man. Now, would you say indwelling, please? The Holy Spirit indwells every Christian in his or her inner person. When we talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost, we're talking about giving more of ourselves over to the Holy Ghost. You don't get any more Holy Ghost from the day you were saved until the day you die. But the Holy Ghost can get more of you. I don't, I don't have a witness. See, you, the Holy Ghost is a person. He's God and he's perfect. He doesn't come in measures. You can't measure a person. When you walked in the door, all of you walked up in here. Your arms didn't walk up in here and wait until your legs caught up. <laughs> so when the Holy Ghost comes in, he comes all the way in. But he may not have all of me. Jesus is my Savior. But that doesn't mean that I've made him my Lord. And in the average church, you got a lot of people, are you saved? Yes. Is Jesus your Lord? No. You say, but they'll say that, yeah, yeah, he's my Lord. No, Jesus said, if you, if I'm your Lord, then you have to keep my commandments. See, we know that you're saved by your testimony. We know that he is your Lord by your behavior. Oh, I'll, I'll find a, I'll get a witness in a minute. You see, you can, you can be saved and come to the house of God or, you know, be connected to the Lord and not ever serve him, not ever obey him, not ever do anything for ministry or anything. But if he is your Lord, lordship means authority, and authority means power, and power means that you will seek to please him. You will never get it right 100%, but you have to be willing to get it right. When you're talking to an unbeliever, you know, or somebody, they say, well, I want to be saved. What I have to do, you have to turn to the Lord. Well, what about my sins? You have to be willing to give them up. Now listen very carefully. There's a difference in giving them up and being willing to give them up. Everybody in this room, when you got saved, you made some changes. But some things you're still working on. You ain't got to say nothing. I know I got your number. But the reason you're here tonight is because you're willing. I'm willing to change. I don't have the power. I don't know how, but I'm willing to. Do you know the Lord will bless you on credit? When he sees you willing to do it. So Jesus is my savior. But is he my Lord? That depends on my yielding to the Holy Ghost. So the, the guy on the inside is getting younger. While the guy and gal on the outside is getting gray. Steps are getting short. Need bifocals. Need thicker bifocals. Having to take more vitamins. Oh, boy. Then we start getting older and other things start changing. Bless your heart. Some of the sisters, they just have to fan all the time. So what's wrong with you? Oh, just getting older. I don't know. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. The outer person is decaying. Now, that's what the Bible calls decaying. You are decaying when you're going through those changes. The reason why the joint started hurting or that ankle hurt or you grunted when you got up is you are literally dying. You're dying a slow death. And should you be able to die without controversy or issue, you're designed to go 120 years. 
You know, they got it wrong in the Bible where they talk about, you know, Noah uh, preached. They say, oh, well, he preached 120 years. No, that's before Noah, uh, people lived seven, eight, nine hundred years, Methuselah being one. And after the flood, God decreased the lifespan that people could live. So when you get to the book of Psalms, it talks about uh, three score and ten, seventy. But you know that's not it. There are people in here tonight over 70. So you know that that's not it. We're designed to go over 100 years. There's a lot of people over 100 years old now. We're designed to go over 100 years. We've got some, they say, 115, 116 years old. My mother lived to be 103. I often think maybe if I'd done a few things different, she maybe would have lived longer. But she wanted to live her life a certain way. And when you're 100 years old, you pretty much can get what you want if you know, you know, I mean, it was nothing wrong with her, no dementia, no anything like that. Uh, lived alone. But the thing about it is, you're designed to go a long way. Now, maybe some of the butter and grease and and dressing and salt and fried foods <laughs> and Coca-Colas take away from some of that. Your body, our body, let me put me in it because I drink as many of them as you do. Our bodies are designed to drink water. Well, milk is good for you, but milk is for calves. You taking the milk, you taking what the calf needs, drinking it. But your body is really designed for water. Everything else you drink, you're taking a risk. Well, you've been risking all day, have you? You go to the restaurant, you know, give me some tea. You know, and then you put sugar in it. And you read every article there is on the effects of table sugar, and you just go right ahead with that sugar. You got to have your salt. Got to have it. Yeah, you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. You ain't getting no baked chicken. Yeah. You want that original recipe. You won't eat an apple, but you will take the apple, cut it up, dump sugar on it. Now, the apple, the, the whole apple is 80 calories. By the time you get through with a slice of one slice of apple pie, it's 400 calories. Come on now. The outer man is decaying. Did you find a gray hair that you didn't know was there? Did somebody point it out? Did you find another one? Then you said, well, you know, if you pull it out, a whole lot of more come. No, a whole lot more coming anyhow. The, that's the, <laughs> the one you saw is letting you know, I got a whole family about to come in your head. And then they start falling out. I didn't know, I, you know, I didn't know that I, I, when I felt my head, I felt that my hair was a little thinner, a little finer. I just thought that, it, you know, I was getting, you know, a nicer grade of it. And then I realized that it was leaving me. Your outer body is decaying. Now let me encourage you. At the same rate, your inner man is maturing and being perfected at the same rate. Are you stronger now, Mr. Cole, physically, than you were when you were 22? No. So that's why the Bible declares the inner man is progress progressively being renewed. I use the word younger. What it really means is being strengthened. The real you is getting better as the outer you is getting older. Well, you said that's not encouraging enough. Well, let's read on. It says it's being renewed day by day for our momentary light distresses. Would you say that, please? Light distresses. Would you repeat after me everything that I'm going through now? is a light distress. It said, for our momentary, 
He said, Pastor, this ain't momentary. I've been going through this for a year. Honey, you're going to live forever. You ain't never going to go out of existence. You're never going to die. You have eternal life. If you go through it 10 years, it's still momentary. Our momentary light distress, the passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Now that always blessed me. It says what I'm going through is actually working for my eternal existence. Now this is the part you don't want to hear. The harder your test is, the greater you're going to be in the next life. So it says the passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness. So we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen or unseen. Church, we're just looking at the wrong thing. The more you talk about your troubles, the bigger they get. Look at the other side. Now here's what we learn. Um, Jesus gives a new birth. And I've already explained that here with the spirit man. We have a dual nature. Look at Romans 7 here that I provided. Here's what it says. Paul is writing again. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am a creature of the flesh. Worldly, self-reliant, carnal, and unspiritual. Ain't that the truth? Don't look around. Check yourself. Sold into slavery to sin and serving under its control. For I do not understand my own actions. I'm baffled and bewildered by them. I do not practice what I want to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate and yielding to my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity. Woo, and that's Paul writing. He said, the inner guy is not getting any, any time. This guy here is what's giving me the problem. And the thing that I want to do that's right he says, my human nature and my worldliness and my sinful capacity war with that. All right, let's talk about that for a quick second before I finish the reading here. We can all identify with the fact of the inner conflict, um, wanting to do something and not getting to that, but getting to those things. I often uh, use dieting as an illustration because everybody's tried a diet or two and everybody's failed at a diet or two. I think we've actually failed at more diets than we tried. We tried three and failed at seven. Well, why is that? Because the outer man has more influence over the inner man. Why is that? Anybody want to guess? Why does the outer self have more influence than the inner self? Pleasure is a good word. Image, that's a good word. How do we change and switch that around? Practice. What practice have you given the inner man to be stronger than the outer man. Do you know that's one of the purposes of fasting? Fasting is the inner man, you making a commitment in your inner man to not eat a meal or several meals. And will not watch TV and not be involved if you're married in sexual relations. No pleasure. All right. So, you got this inner man saying to the outer man, I don't care stomach if you do grumble, I'm not eating. I'm not going to eat for two days or one day. 
I'm not eating. The reason we fast is to give the inner man exercise and the outer man gets weakened to and has to follow the inner man and the inner man's decisions. I said this to you once before. Uh, when I first heard about Lent from Ash Wednesday to Good Friday and a lot of people going off sugar, I, was, I had a sweet tooth. All of my teeth were sweet. I had sweet teeth. I love candy. I love cakes. I love cookies. I love ice cream. I lo if it had sugar, I loved it. Well, one year, I decided to go off sugar for those six weeks. I made it three days. I just couldn't help it. I had to give me some sugar. You know what that means? Outer man controlled inner man. I tried it a year later, and I won. Six weeks, no sugar, lost weight, looked pretty good. Now, why? Because I had to practice and give the inner man more exercise so that it could eventually overcome the outer man. You know why uh, people wrestle with things that they shouldn't do and get involved a lot of times? It's because... They've never practiced, they've never strengthened the inner man to that point that the inner man can stop you from going shopping just because you got a check. Do you know that spending out of control is the outer man for pleasure? And what was the other word? Image. You know that? Why do you have to spend your check as soon as you get it? Because you got the check. That's the outer man. On the same token, do you know that being nitty and stingy is the outer man? I mean, you won't even buy the stuff you need. You're scared to spend $10. And then wonder why nobody wants to be in a relationship with you. I know why. You go to the restaurant, you look at the prices before you look at the food choice. See, I got some help over there. <laughs> Outer man, inner man. Outer man, inner man. I have to watch TV. A year ago, I was on a media fast. I don't think I told you. I didn't need to tell you. I was cool. I didn't have to tell you to get strength. If I tell you something, a lot of times it's to help me stay on the right path. Because I know I'm not going to lie to you. So if I tell you I'm not going to do anything, that's really me talking to me. I'm just using you to help me out. Uh, September to roughly January. Media. No media. No entertainment media. No, no comedy shows, you know, no movies, no, no entertainment. I did get a little news, but that was it. And I spent all of my media time uh, listening to the Word, reading through the New Testament, and then listening to teachings that I needed to hear to grow my faith. But can you do that? You can't. You know, fasting nowadays uh, doesn't really, food is not really that much for us because we can skip a meal. But you need to fast in Walmart because you're running in there every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, some, it's something else you need to be looking at. So we've got the dual nature, and we've got to recognize that it's very real. Let me read on. Now, if I habitually do what I do not want to do, that means I agree with the law, confessing that it is a good, it is good, uh, morally excellent. So now, if that is the case, then it is no longer I who do it, the disobedient thing which I despise, but the sin nature which lives in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh. My human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity for the willingness to do good is present in me. Everybody's willing to do good, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it, that is, 
It is not me that acts, but the sin nature which lives in me. So I find it to be the law of my inner self that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature, but I see a different law and rule of action in the members of my body and its appetites and desires, waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is within my members. Wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me, set me free from the body of death, this corrupt mortal existence. Let me stop there. All right. When we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the body and the soul. Would you say that, please? The body and the? The body you see. The soul is my mind, my heart, and my will. It is how I think, it is how I feel, and it's what I want. Can you say that? It's my mind, my heart, and my will. My soul is my mind, my heart, and my will. That is your soul, nothing else. No more, no less. Your soul is your mind, your heart, your will. Your mind, your heart, your will. How I think, that's flesh. How I feel, that's flesh, and what I desire. When I get saved, the Holy Ghost comes on the inside. Now, the Holy Ghost, or the inner me, my spirit man, my spirit, and my soul, my mind and heart, are both competing for my will. All right, let's try that again. My flesh, which is my body, my mind, and my heart, and my will. And the Holy Ghost, which is in my inner man, are at war over my will. You see, my will is fickle. It's a fickle girl. You know your soul is feminine, right? The Bible said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. So the soul of a person is female because it is the seat of creativity and production. What comes out in music comes out of the soul. What comes out on the canvas comes out of the soul. Wherever there is an expression of soul, it is creative. So my soul produces, and anything in the world that produces is female. That's what female is about, production. Now, when I get saved, I've got my flesh, which is my body, and my two-thirds of my soul, my uh, mind and my heart or emotions. And now I've got the Holy Ghost and my inside, my inner man, and we are fighting over my will. And my will is fickle. Sometimes my will wants to do what my flesh wants. Other times my will wants to do what my spirit wants. See, the Holy Ghost cannot control the human will. That's why you pray for so-and-so all you want. They're not going to get saved because you pray for them to get saved. If that was the case, we'd get everybody saved tonight. No, you can pray that God will send somebody to them to witness to them, but you praying for them alone not going to save them. That's why people, you know, sometimes they get married, they launch off, it's a good marriage, and then all of a sudden somebody changes. Well, what happened? They changed their will. They didn't want to be there anymore, or they didn't want to do that anymore. Their will changed, and wasn't anything you could do about it. I mean, you can lay on the altar, you can cry and blow your nose and all of that, but you're not going to change a person. We don't have that kind of power. Even God cannot change the human will. You know why? Because the human will is just as strong as God's will. The human will is the part of you that is the reflection of God when he created you. The human will is so strong 
that Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. Well, why don't you go get him, Jesus? You got the power. No, he doesn't. The Lord can't make you be saved. The Lord can't make you choose him. The Lord can't make you do right. If the Lord could make people do right, we wouldn't have prisons. That man would not have shot down over 500 people. Huh? That stupid whatever he is in Korea wouldn't be shooting missiles out over people's heads if the Lord could control the human will. He can't do that. Your will is, are you hearing me, just as strong. As a matter of fact, since I'm at that point, wherever your life is right now has to do with your will. You willed your way to that point. He said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. Because you made a series of choices and decisions that's brought every one of us to where we are right now. At the time, all right, the mind, at the time we made the decision, it seemed right. <clears throat> or, here's what gets us in more trouble, it felt right. Because we live by feelings. Oh, he's a nice guy. How you know? I just, I just feel like him. You know, we just got a connection. Feeling. We live by feelings. I feel like I can pay for this car. Now you're looking at your budget. You know you're going to have to not eat lunch three times a week. You're not going to be able to even drive the car no further than work. You won't be able to afford the gas. But you just like the car, and you like it because, you know, your friend got one, and you want a better one than she got. I feel like it. And we get the Holy Ghost, uh-oh, confused with our feelings. And we'll say we were led. Oh, I felt led. Why you felt led? Why did it, why did it crash? Because if God is leading you, He's not going to lead you to destruction. The, the blessings of the Lord come without sorrow, the Bible says. God isn't going to lead you anywhere to embarrass you, humiliate you, and destroy you. God isn't going to set you up, you know, like you think you're the new Job. Not God. No. I get my feelings and the leadership of the Holy Ghost confused. And sometimes I step into something that I never should have gotten into, but the feeling. I checked my feelings, and I didn't feel bad about it. But some things you won't get a negative uh, from your spirit man about because it's already in the Bible, don't do it. <laughs> and if it's already in the Word, don't do it. The Holy Ghost is not going to give you some kind of negative feeling to tell you that's wrong for you. The Word said don't do that. You know? Oh, boy, it's getting ready to get nasty. You ready? See, you co-signed for that thing. That, listen, you, you felt like they were going to pay for it. They didn't pay. Guess who had to pay? It was your decision. You can't blame God. But your will followed your feelings. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's how we get in trouble all the time. That's what Paul is talking about. I know, he said in my mind, I know what I ought to do. But I find myself doing what I know I ought not to do because I let my feelings lead my will because your will is a fickle little girl. And she will go with anybody that pays her a compliment. I don't have a witness in this room. We get involved in business deals. We get involved in relationships. We get involved with projects based on feel most of the time I've, and I'll be honest with me about me and you about you we don't even investigate what we commit to we scan over did you really read that lease contract in detail before you got that apartment did you really read over it when you were signing for that car, did you really read the details? You know you didn't. When you rented that car, they said sign right here. You just signed right there. 
you took a loan and it was 50% interest. But you felt like, here's what you said. Oh, you know what we're going to do, right? Uh-uh, what? Uh-uh. We're going to make double payments on this. We're going to pay this thing out because I ain't going to be paying on this thing no two years. We're going to pay it out in a year. And three years later, you're still making payments on it. Because your will, have mercy, Lord Jesus, is a fickle little girl. And your will will run off behind any idea, I like those words, for pleasure and for interest. It's going to run off behind it. And it ain't a one of us in this room that ain't got in trouble in the area that I'm talking about. Honey, I've made so many mistakes, I'm embarrassed to tell you about them. And when I look back over them now, I'm like, why was I so foolish? But my will carried me right on behind my feelings. When you, <laughs> the, re <laughs> the reason you need a prayer life, the reason you need a, a, a read the scriptures life, daily read, the reason you need to come to public worship and have private worship, that's how you get the Holy Ghost in you to get more influence over your will. Look at how much time we spend feeding the flesh. When you get in your car tonight, what's going to be on the radio? Me reteaching this lesson? Or some good old worldly music? Or some gospel music? Is the gospel music building your faith or is it just good entertainment because you like gospel music? If you ask me, I, I just like the music. Sometimes I have to change it, though, because I don't like what they're saying. But what I'm saying is, how much time do we spend watching BET or the We Network or Lifetime or, in Mr. Cole's case, keeping up with President Trump? <laughs> how much time do we spend doing that and compare that with how much time we spend building up the guy on the inside. Because both the guy on the inside and the one on the outside is competing for the will. New Year's comes around, people make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to church every Sunday this year. They come two Sundays. What happened? The will got influenced by the mind. Or the physical body. Physical body's too tired to go to church. Whew, I just got in at 3.30 this morning. <laughs> I get me some sleep. I've been at two clubs last night. Body too tired to go to church. Y'all not praying with me. Or your mind says to your will, you really going to go to just one church? All these churches in town? You know, I mean, you ain't got to go to one church. You just need to, you know, go around. So-and-so got a good choir, and so-and-so got a good praise team, and so-and-so is a good teacher, and so-and-so go, you know, you got friends over there. So now you're like, okay, where do I go this morning? It's the mind. Or the emotions kick in. And you say, oh, I'm tired. Not physically tired. I'm just, I don't know what I want. I'm just all burning. And the will says, okay, we stay at home. But when you make a commitment and you do it in the Lord, then the Lord can influence your will. Your will is stretched like a rubber band in between the two reeds. And in most cases, whether you want to admit it or not, the flesh wins. That's what Paul is talking about. He said, and the King James Version puts it like this, but they never quoted it like this when I was a boy. He said, when I would do good, evil is present with me. When I was a kid, they always cut the with me out. Man, they preach it all the time. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is always present. That ain't what Paul said. He said, it's present with me. There's a war constantly going on inside of me because 
I want to please God, but I don't want it to cost me anything. And when I find out there's a price involved, I fall on his mercy. God, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I got to forgive her. Lord, have mercy. I got to work with him. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'm, I'm, pleading. I'm falling on the mercy of the court. In other words, Lord, don't judge me. That's what I'm saying. That's what Lord, have mercy means. In that case, don't judge me because I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to work with Vanessa. I don't care what they told me. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> I'm not going to give any more money. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what kind of harvest they're talking about. I'll be glad when it's over with because I'm not going to do it. Lord, have the Lord just have to. Yeah, I tell you what. You just pray my strength in the Lord. Because that means I'm not going to do it. But when you determine To serve God. Now this is going to hurt a little bit too. I know I've been hurting you half the night. But this is going to hurt a little bit too. The Holy Ghost is there as your helper. And your comforter. Woo! Whoa, hold on. He's going to help you do right. And he's going to comfort you because it hurts. Woo! I don't have no help here. See, that's why Jesus called him both. You, have you ever wondered why did Jesus call him a comforter? Why do you need a comforter? So I'll pray to the Father, and he'll send you a comforter. I'm a kid. I'm like, why do we need a, com a comforter? That doesn't sound right. You know why you need a comforter? Because it hurts. It hurts. It hurts to be committed. It hurts to be dedicated. It hurts. It hurt the right choice in my life has always cost me something I didn't want to pay. I'm talking about just as a human being, just trying to do right. Tell the truth, you don't enjoy paying no bills. No, you don't. You hate to see the first of the month come around. You just made peace with it. You don't like it. You think about 10 other things you can do with that money. It hurts, but the Holy Ghost is there not only to help me do what hurts, but to massage me while it hurts and to make it enjoyable. So when people come along and say, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. But honey, if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, I'd want to slap them right upside their face. But when you want to get mad, he comforts you. I don't have no witness around this church. When you want to, when you want to tell him something, he comforts you. He holds you. And you even amaze yourself. When you walk off and you're like, wow, I'm growing. Let me pat myself on the back. Man, I'm growing. I, I know time I'd have cussed them all the way out. But it's the it's the, on the inside, it is the presence of the spirit in the inner man whoo, that every trial you go through, your outer man gets weaker, but your inner man gets stronger. Your outer man, do you know when you work out, this is a gymnasium, if we cleared everything off, came here tomorrow and played basketball, we played for two hours our bodies would be so tired. You know why? Because you, you wore that much of your body out. You say, oh, that's going to strengthen us. No, that doesn't strengthen you. you exactly what you feel. you worn out. You know how your body gets rebuilt? When you rest. When you, after that workout, when you get in that hot tub, when you lay down in the locker room, and you take an hour to rest, that's when your muscles, beneath the surface, 
get stronger. When you're going through a trial, you get worn out. Your soul is worn out. Negroes don't wore you out. You know, circumstances wore you out. But deep on the inside, that inner man that you can't see, he's bulking up. And three years from now, that same test is going to come back around. And you'll just shuck, throw your head, and walk around it. And it won't even phase you. You won't need help, and you won't need comfort. Let me let you go home. Because I'm about to shout up here. I'm about to shout up here. That's why Jesus called them both. See, the Holy Ghost isn't going to do anything for me. He's not going to run my errands for me. And he's not going to run my life for me. But if I ask him, he'll help me go to work. He'll help me endure the prejudice on that job. He will help me raise my children. He will help me take care of my family. He won't do it for me, but he'll help me. And where I'm more challenged than any place else, he'll put his arms around me and he'll comfort me. Hallelujah. So Paul said, thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but on the other hand, that's another hand, with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. All right? So let me wrap this up. The outer man hurts, suffers, and cries. The inner man houses faith and the Holy Spirit. Mm, I'm not much on the outside, but I am something else on the inside. The kingdom of God is within me. If you could crack me open like an eggshell when you get ready to scramble an egg, you'll find pure gold inside of you. You'll find nothing but strength, nothing but love inside of me. My challenge is I'm trying to get what's inside to manifest on the outside. But I'm in my own way. Well, secondly, let me say this because I really want to get to this and let you go. There are two realities. The world's realities are not real and therefore temporary. And that's pain, tears, depression. Faith realities are real, which is joy and peace. And that's eternal. You know, the world's realities, being because they're temporary, that's why they're not real. But nothing in this room is real because it's all temporary. There was a day this building didn't exist. There'll come another day it won't exist. That means it's not real. These chairs aren't real. Anything temporary, biblically speaking, it's not real. The real things are the invisible things. All right? God is real. You believe that? When have you seen him? Never. Heaven is real. You believe that. When have you been there? Never. Angels are real. Where are they in this room? In front of us, behind us, at the door? You can't see them. The real things are invisible. The visible things are not real. You said, but my struggle is real. Your struggle is temporary. It's temporary. It may be lingering longer because you won't put it in its right place. You won't take authority like you can. You said, but I don't know how. Yes, you do. Same way you swat a fly. Same way you tell a child to sit down. It ain't deep. It's just you deciding that you ain't going to take it no more. You said, does it work? It works for everybody that makes up their mind. Joy is not the subtraction of problems from life. It's the addition of power to meet those problems. The Bible
Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm through tonight, but you know what? We got the righteousness and peace down pretty good. We ain't got the joy we ought to have. It ought to be fun being saved. I remember Robert Smith Jr. used to say that all the time. He'd get up and preach. Fun being saved. He said when you call him on the phone, he answered the phone. Fun being saved. It ought, to, it ought to be fun to be a child of God. We've got righteousness and peace down. We know that comes, that, you know, righteousness is right standing with God. Peace is what God provides. Joy is what we're supposed to live day in and day out. You ought to have joy when you come to church. You ought to carry that joy when you go home. You ought to have joy when you get up and go to work in the morning or wherever you have to go. When you walk in, they ought to know some joy just walked in the room. But that's a decision you have to make because that joy has to be steadfast. It has to be lasting and it has to be abundant in affliction. And we have to have the desire to walk in, live in, and serve in joy. I learned this a long time ago, so today I don't know if this helped me or hurt me. I've, I've wondered many times. I read somewhere where it said, happiness is not getting what you want. It's wanting what you have. Because most of us don't want what we got. <laughs> and that's why we can't be happy. We've got to change our want we just may not be able to change our whole circumstance. Now what do you mean by that? I mean our relationship with God has to be not that God you have to fix this so I can have joy. It has to be God I've got joy whether you fix this or not. But I am determined to make this better. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to find a way to negotiate my joy and get it out of this. He said, well, that's tough. Yeah, that's, it is tough down here. But when James wrote those words we all know by heart, count it all joy, he was writing to people that could not hardly go outdoors without being attacked. They were in war for their faith. They weren't in a war like over political issues. They were Christians who couldn't practice their Christianity in public. And their cousins and brothers and sisters had been beheaded, dragged through the streets, shot down with bows and arrows. He said, y'all count that joy. How do you count that joy? Ain't got no money. Count that joy. Count what joy? Ain't got nothing to count. It's a decision. And your will, if you know, I'm through. When I decided to have joy, my will followed. <laughs> I told you my will is fickle, right? As long as I was complaining, all I could feel down here was negative. But I took another look at it. And I looked at some folk that got what I wanted and I looked at how it destroyed them. You know who I am. So many times we want what we think is good for us only to find out there's a worm in the apple. And if I want joy, I got to learn how to enjoy being right here, right now. With you here with me. Now I can stand up here and say, man, it ought, everybody ought to be here. Everybody ought to be here. This room ought to be full. And you know what I'd be doing? Fussing at you, aiming at somebody that ain't even here. You don't know how many preachers I've preached for I've watched do that. Every night, I've got to preach every night, and they fuss at the people who are there talking about the folk who ain't there. And then want me to preach. 
we've got to learn how to serve God and let the benefits come from that service and treat those benefits like they were worth millions of dollars.